welcome to Whatever It Takes, a podcast about Degrassi, the next generation. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Marissa, Kelsey's roommate. I am subbing for Holland, so thank you for um, listening to me and welcoming me into your podcast universe. I have a little bit of a history with Degrassi in that I watched it when it initially came out and I did not complete the series. Uh, I haven't watched it in a long time, so I had to jab Kelsey a few times while we were watching and ask her who was whom. Um, but, uh, but we made it through and I reoriented myself and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Welcome, Marissa. We're very excited to have you. And by we, I mean me and the dog that we care for on the floor. Um, so I'm going to read. Ooh, I'm going to knock the microphone and then I'm going to read the YouTube summary. Marco faces unexpected hurdles in the race for student council president when his when his opponent, Alex, threatens to out him to the entire school at the election assembly. Meanwhile, Liberty and Emma have a confrontation of their own when Liberty starts spending time with Emma's ex, Chris. Sorry, that was a little choppy. Um, So, yeah, I mean, actually, as far as YouTube summaries go, this is kind of as good as it gets. Um, A lot of the times they're, like, crazy or they leave very important things out or they, like, really harp on, like, the wrong part of the episode, like, weird specific things that aren't necessarily true. Um, So that's... And the episode is called King of Pain. It is season four, episode three. Uh, It is a song by the police that came out in 1983. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what it has to do with the episode, except for that it's like, King is kind of similar to President. About reigning. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Uh... I actually am not familiar with this song by the police, and I'm familiar with several police songs. So I'm like, okay. Um, Mudvayne covered it in 2007. They're a band. Uh, Alanis Morissette covered it in 1999. I'm sure that was good. Holland does this part of the episode. That's all I can contribute. Well, I have to say, having seen that Alanis covers it, I am intrigued to hear that version. Uh, she's a, a very particular person, and I do like how she smushes words together. Um, and I, I do second Kelsey's interpretation of it. I, I think it is probably in title alone. We listen to it, and uh, from what I can gather, it has nothing otherwise in content to share with the episode. It's um, Marco's pain, alluding to the future of the episode, whether you guys have watched it or not, and King uh, probably the reigning and uh, power aspects. That is a very intellectual way of saying it. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, king and president, they're the same. Um, government. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So we start off the episode with um, Marco is in a photo booth being real awkward with his like flat ironed hair, which is hilarious until that ends. Um, and he's like, he can't make normal faces. It's all like awkward smiling. Or, like, very somber, like, crazy, crazy faces. And for the last photo, Dylan sneaks in and kisses him on the cheek. And we all do, like, a collective aw. And then Marco's like, dude, my mom works here. Which is like, Dylan, that's kind of not cool. Like, because it's not even like they're at the mall. And it's like, she works somewhere. Well, they are at the mall. But it's not even like she works at a different store in the mall. So it's like, she could come by. And then it's, like, clearly Marco being paranoid literally the store she works in she knows that they're there she knows that he's taking photos 
she's currently working and wearing like the how can I help you vest I mean I don't know I think it's a little like whatever yeah I feel like there's several aspects that um will come up as we discuss this episode further where Dylan's just a little inconsiderate and I find myself very being very hard on him but I keep trying to remind myself that he's what like 19 I mean most 19 year olds are pretty inconsiderate including me when I was 19 so don't take that too harshly 19 and unders yeah, no, I was definitely inconsiderate at 19. I'm pretty inconsiderate at 24. Um, 25. I forgot how old I was. <laughs> I'm 25. I forgot. Um, yeah. So Marco is like, dude, cool it. And Dylan's like, whatever. Um, and Marco comes out of the photo booth and his mom is like, Marco, did you finish your photos for your presidential poster? Which made me go, no one on the show knows how photos work. Like, they don't know how blowing up photos work. You can't take a smaller photo and make it bigger without it losing quality. It's going to lose quality. It's not how that works. You can't take a teeny tiny thumbnail photo and be, like, poster-sized, and then it'll be normal. That's, that's not how images work. I'm very upset about it. Um, But fine, whatever. It's cool. Um, Yeah, so... You know, she is like, let me see. And he's like, they're all terrible. And she's like, no, 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 I want to see, I want to see. So he, like, very stealthily rips the one where Dylan is kissing him off. I don't know how he could, like, see behind his back that that was the right one. Because knowing me, like, I would have accidentally ripped off, like, the top one thinking it was the bottom one. And then, like, only given her the one with Dylan on it. I don't know. Um, And he, she's like, shouldn't there be four? And he's like, no, three. Three is totally normal. See you later. Yeah, I thought that was it was well played on his part. Definitely, I, I feel like I've been looking at photo strips and uh, and intentionally tried to tear them in half, and you know ended up cutting off someone's face. So well done behind the back tear. Uh, I also thought that maybe that would have been actually reasonable if you wanted to make buttons or something, or if you were going for an Amelie aesthetic. But I don't think either were the case, and I I can absolutely second Kelsey's frustration with his. Um, his poor understanding of image quality. And like, it's his dad's too, because his dad, doesn't he work at like a copying store? Isn't that like why he has access to that for free? Like he should know how photos work. Like he should know how images work. I just, I don't know. It's very stupid. Um, But anyway, Dylan is clearly frustrated by like Marco not coming out to his mother right there in the middle of her shift with a photo of him being kissed by another man. But fine, okay. So he like kind of storms off into the mall and Marco follows him and he, he's like, hey, you know, wait up, whatever. And Dylan's like basically throws a shit fit that Marco hasn't come out yet, which is ridiculous because Marco just came out to himself like a year ago. Like we haven't had a lot of time. It took almost the entire year for Spinner to stop being an asshole. So like let's give him a break. Coming out to your family is the hardest thing because at least you can like for the most part, kind of imagine that your friends are going to be on board because, like, you chose them for a reason, you know? Hopefully they, like, have similar ideologies to you. But, like, your family, especially your parents, you can't control them. They're old and stuck in their ways, and a lot of the time it takes a long time for them to change. So, like, no matter where you're coming from, coming out to your parents is probably going to be the hardest thing. Yeah, absolutely. I I was really bothered by that, actually, and I, I, I can't pretend to know what it's like to come out, but I 
it does seem pretty ridiculous to expect him to come out that soon. But, you know, from what I understand, it is actually pretty pretty understandable for people to wait until they're not living in their parents' home anymore, even if you think they, you know, whatever you expect them to react. Like, you know, you're you're living in their home and you don't want to be in an uncomfortable, perpetuated, you know, situation. And to wait until you're kind of standing on your own two feet. Um, youth homelessness is a real problem. And uh, and Marco didn't know how his, his family would react. He was clearly really uncomfortable with that. And I feel like Dylan should have supported him. Again, very disappointed in Dylan, even though he is very, very cute. He's so pretty. He's so pretty, but so not understanding. And it makes me wonder, like, what Mrs. Michael Chuck, like, what her reaction was. If he's so, like, whatever, you can just do that. Like, she must have been very, very cool with it. You know, I mean, and Paige is obviously very cool with it. And at one point, like, she was like, yeah, you know, it was hard for me when, you know, Dylan came out, but I got over it. But it's like, how hard was it for you, really? Although, like, Ashley, when her dad came out, freaked out. I don't know. I don't really, I don't understand what the hang-up is with the people that are more open-minded on this show. But either way, I'm like, I, I, I bet Miss Michael Chuck was, like, very cool about it, which is why Dylan is so like, yeah, whatever, come out. And it's like, I don't know. Like, like get, fucking give Marco a break. Just give him a break. But either way... They like Dylan like storms off and is like, I don't want to talk to you, whatever. And we're like, oh, no, are they breaking up? And then theme music. So I'm thinking about doing the fashion police right now, just so we can kind of get it out of the way and talk about all the clothes. Um, And we also do like beauty stuff. So I already mentioned Marco's flat ironed hair is crazy town. Um, Everyone has pretty much great hair in this episode, except for Marco and Spinner. Spinner's hair every single episode just gets like greasier and like limper and like more parted in the middle somehow like it's just like slightly more directly in the middle every time and it's always bad one thing that catches me in shows like this is um the effort that goes into the hair this is like i feel like the same age when lizzie mcguire was like crimping her hair and putting a billion things in it and though this is slightly less crazy than that as much as i loved her um, I, I did find myself kind of mesmerized by Paige's hair and how she has a zillion layers and all of them are flippy. They flip out and uh, and I she must take so much time on her hair and that baffles me. Um, yeah, so other than that, definitely I second Kelsey's assessment of uh, of Marco's hair, which is so, so straight and so, so perfect. And if we're talking about hair, I have one kind of itchy comment, which is, oh my God, what is up with that, like, is it a soul patch when it's just under your lip? <laughs> but all I can think is like that really adds to kind of the grimace that he perpetually has. And I know that's really mean, but I just like I really, really want to shave it off. It's bad. It's bad. Boys that age make so many bad facial hair mistakes. I feel like boys <laughs> like until they're 30 make bad facial hair mistakes. I've dated many a mustache. It's not a good look. Like, don't. Yeah, it's not great. I'm not proud of it. It's not good. Like, just get it together, guys. Um... Paige at one point is wearing this like green <laughs> shirt that has one short sleeve and one nothing. And it's confusing and the short sleeve has a slit in it. So it's like, why even have sleeves at all? I don't know. And it's not like a sexy shirt where it was like the one sleeve is meant to make it sexier. It's like a normal t-shirt, but like someone just cut the sleeve off of it and like hemmed it. 
I, I was mesmerized by that shirt as well. I think I already used that word, but you know, there's a, there are a lot of mesmerizing choices happening in this, uh, in this episode, but I, I did like, I analyzed that shirt. I think there's actually a sleeve on the other side. It's just like really long and off her shoulder, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought a lot about the slit sleeve and how that was like a part of dress shirts for a while. There were a lot of like pinstripe pants that were paired with like semi polyester shirts that had both of the, the like short sleeves slit so that it, it, I don't know if it's supposed to create a nice silhouette, but I think it's inadvisable. It's bad news. I did not care for it. Um, there are a lot of crazy hats. Not as many as when, like, Manny's going crazy. But we did have Chris, which I know I'm going to address the fact that I got, like, 30 tweets just being like, hello, Chris is still here. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, uh, Chris is wearing one of his fantastic crazy blue hats with glasses perched on top. Um, Marco has an actual good hat. Um, I, I don't hate it. It's pretty nice. Um, and at one point, Alex is wearing, like, it's kind of almost hard to tell. She has these, like, glasses that are totally clear that are, like, hooked to the front of her, like, tank top. And I just, they don't serve any function. So I don't know what they're there for. She doesn't need them to see but they're fully clear. And I feel like that was the thing in the early 2000s too, where it was like colored glasses that were kind of sunglasses, but actually didn't work. But these don't even have color. It's very confusing. Perhaps they're premature reading glasses. Or, or maybe they were to make her look more presidential. We are uh, to be topical in a time where people are very concerned with looking and sounding presidential and who does and does not do that. So mm -hmm. um, she was ahead of her time. I also have a, a thought about the cheerleading outfit. I had never really noticed how untraditional those are. Maybe that's what Canadian cheerleading outfits look like, but I feel like they're usually sleeveless and not so much t-shirts with weird graphics on them. Um, so yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that's just the the um, Spirit Squad uniforms change and evolve over time. This is a pretty good time for them. They just look like normal clothes at this point, which is confusing. Like, just weird matching clothes with, like, the panther on it, which one day we're just going to talk about the fact that the panther is not black. It's confusing. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, the, the Spirit Squad outfits are forever evolving and forever strange, but I'm here for that. Um, Manny is wearing this like red t-shirt with a white tank top under it and her hair is in a bun and it's very cute. I don't have any other notes about that. It's, she just looks very cute. Oh, Manny and Emma were like really hitting it in this episode for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> I found myself like very, um, very interested in what Emma was wearing and like a little envious, which feels weird to be envious of like a still vaguely awkward, but mostly looking pretty suave uh, teenage girl. It's like, it's a crowning moment for me. I love it. Um, I am both in love with and confused by Alex's choice of outfit during her speech. Because at first she looks normal and you're like, she's wearing a t-shirt with like shirt under it. Very of the time. Good for you. It's the first time that you're not wearing like a wife beater. Cool. Um, and then she moves away from the podium and we realize that she is wearing the croppest crop top to ever crop. It is just like tied around and there's like nothing but stomach. It's very, I'm like, you're trying to be a kind of professional. All right, fine. Okay. And you just, I just got to move on and accept it. 
But I think that's my last fashion note. Do you have anything? Oh, just a, a parting bad joke is that she could only half commit to being professional, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this is why we keep Marissa around. Um, so the next day we are back at the school and Marco is like, like comes up to Paige and he's like, I called you a million times. And she's like, yeah, you know, between you and Dylan, everyone was calling me a million times. And he's like, you talked to Dylan? She's like, well, only in between talking to Spinner. Which is like, when did she pick up the phone for Marco? Like, did she just ignore Marco, all of Marco's phone calls? Did she just not want to deal with it at all? That seems like kind of bad friendship. But also, how much talking on the phone does she do? Because that's like, that's nothing. That's like nothing but talking on the phone. I barely want to talk on the phone. Even at that age, I think I was like... I would talk to, like, my one friend for, like, a long time, but, like, leave it at that. Like, I wasn't, like, playing phone tag with three different people. I feel like I used the phone a lot at that time, and I can't, for the life of me, imagine what I talked so much about. I don't think there was that much interesting to say, but um, but they do have very active social lives on the show. It is kind of interesting to observe. Yep. Um. So then... Um. She is walking with Marco and she trips over Alex's feet because Alex's feet are just like sticking straight out and they have a whole tiff and I'm just going now kiss. Um, and it's a whole thing. And she's like, you're a freak, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, OK, we get it. We get it. Just make out already. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. And then Marco is like preparing for running for student government or whatever and Alex comes up to him and she's like, Marco, what are the issues? Which is like a weird way to lead into something because she sounds like a reporter. Speaking of which, where the fuck is Ellie? She should be reporting on this. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like a weird way to lead into that. And then she, he's like, whatever, Alex, like, wait for the assembly and then I'll tell you, which is kind of rude. Um, and she like storms off and Mr. Simpson is like, Alex is you're running against you. She tells me she's out for blood, which feels like a weird thing to tell a teacher, but fine, it's Alex. Um, and Marco is, like, visibly shaken. Yeah, I thought that was, like, a series of strange exchanges. To go back to the um, Paige and Alex one, I thought that the repartee was a little too witty. I made that comment a few times during the episode, and Kelsey assured me once that uh, Liberty's witty repartee was... Um, was definitely called for because she's highly intelligent, but everyone else is maybe not entirely capable of, of you know, speaking in such eloquent and uh, sassy ways at the drop of a hat. Um, so that that Alex and Paige exchange seemed dubious to me. And then the subsequent one that we were talking about where um, Mr. Simpson was, he was leaning in like very close to Marco and talking about this lady wanting blood. And I thought like, goodness, do teachers ever actually talk to kids like that? And if they do, it's probably a problem. Um, so yeah, a lot of unbelievable types of conversations happening. Yeah, there was a lot going on, um, and all of it was crazier than the last, but we find out that Marco is now running against Alex, and he's worried for some reason, um, which is fine, um, I don't know, I, I'm team Alex forever, always, but that's neither here nor there, um, and then we are catching up with Emma and Chris and Chris comes over while Emma's fixing her hair and he's like why do girls always want their hair bigger and Emma's like why do guys always catch girls doing embarrassing stuff and they have like a cute moment I'm like oh remember when you guys dated for a minute um and it was mostly to make Sean jealous cool me too 
Um, and then, um, yeah, so they have a moment, and he, they basically allude to, like, I kind of maybe like you still, whatever, and then they, like, kind of run off. Um, and, Li- and Liberty interrupts them, because that's Liberty's whole deal, is that she is uh, almost exclusively a cock block. And then, later on, Chris is sitting outside, which, oh, I didn't mention this during the fashion police, Chris not wearing a hat, very cute. I love Chris without a hat on. Why does he always wear the stupid bucket hats? He wears nothing but bucket hats and like weird taxi driver caps. And I just fucking, I'm not here for it. Um, But yeah, Chris, no hat. Looks great. Almost like, yeah, no, just totally good. Um, And then Liberty walks over and she's like trying to flirt. And it's like kind of cute because she's like a big dork. um, And he's like kind of into it. And it's sweet. And I don't know. She's like, she's into him. But also, Liberty, your friend dated him for a while. And like, this is before we knew that Emma was going to like be a weird monster. But like, chicks before dicks, Liberty, get it together. Another strange observation about conversations I was having is that, uh, and they both center around Chris, is when Emma and Chris were talking, they kind of, they left it in this nice place where he's like, yeah, maybe I'll take you out for like a shake. And I thought, is this the 1950s? All right, whatever. And I let it go. And then when Liberty and Chris were talking, she was like, yeah, I mean, if you teach me about music and we go to a record shop or a CD shop, and there was an awkward moment around that that was kind of adorable and very Liberty. Um, she subsequently said, yeah, I'll like, I'll buy you falafel. And I started thinking, is it just me if I've been in New York too long? Because I think, you know, here we just say, would you like coffee or drinks? Even if you mean tea, you just say coffee or drinks. Or if you're talking about food, you name the meal. You don't invite someone for like a specific dish. Like, <laughs> would, would you like to go get couscous with me? <laughs> and I thought like, this is very strange. Marissa, I think that later we should go out for bologna sandwiches. Um, I mean, I guess maybe people say like burgers, but even then they don't just specifically mean burgers or pizza. Because those are, but that that pizza might be New York too. Because it might just be like that's like a thing we're gonna go do. Like, I don't know. I think that, but I feel like those are the only two times that I've heard of like someone asking to go get that specific food. Otherwise, it's like dinner, lunch. I mean, unless you like really are trying to make a specific plan, but not like on a whim. Like if I'm meeting a friend in their neighborhood and it's like, hey, let's go get tacos. Like then we know exactly where we're going and like that's just like the plan that we're having but if i'm like you want to go out sometime maybe we can go get linguine i don't know (laughs) like that's weird that's weird and specific and falafel and shakes are both very specific foods that didn't even occur to me good good call i like i don't i don't know that's so that's weird So then we are back with Marco and Paige and Spinner and Hazel is here and so is Craig. Hi, Craig. Um, And they are like at lunch and Alex is like writing anarchy symbols on stuff, which I'm like, cool, I'm voting for Alex. Um, And Marco is like panicking and Paige is like, whatever, don't even take it seriously. And like he's being comforted by his friends, Um, but he's still like freaking out and he kind of storms off and hazel's like yeah marco's worried and hazel's like not about that and then she makes a comment about um what's his name roy and siegfried and roy she's like siegfried might be looking for a new roy and i was like that's a little funny but also like kind of insensitive and also your friend is like maybe going through a breakup like let's be cool 
Yeah, that was a little unkind. Hazel's Hazel's always on the fence for me, but I I think it's a defense mechanism. I think she has insecurities, but that's just my analysis of her. But her hair looks great. It's this fun red color um, that I'm into. Where is Jimmy, by the way? Because the last time we saw them, they were like, I love you. No, I love you more. It was a whole thing. So we are with Marco and he like kind of storms off because um, he's like breaking out. And he calls Dylan, which sweet flip flown with an antenna. I totally had one of those. Mm. It brought back memories. So he calls Dylan, who answers on a landline because this is of a certain time. And he's like, Dylan's dorm room looks exactly how you expect it to look. It's like nothing but hockey. He's literally wearing a Toronto Maple <laughs> Leafs shirt. I'm like, Dylan, you need more interests than being gay and ice hockey. Like, we need to find you a hobby. I wonder how you're doing in school. Like, I'm just curious about your life because it seems like you just do these two things. And one is an identity and one is just a thing that you kind of do. I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about Dylan's personal life, and I just want to know what he does. Like, does he like archery? I don't know. Um, So he calls Dylan, and he's, like, freaking out. And Dylan's like, look, you know, as long as, like, you're not going to come out to your parents, like, I can't be the only person that, like, knows, blah, blah, blah. And he basically is like, we're breaking up the end. Bye. And Marco is sad and goes home. And it's a very sad moment. And Dylan is being a real fucking twat. He absolutely is. And I think, you know, in terms of um, it feels uh, it feels like a poor direction to go back to his uh, decor and lack of identity. But I think I think that's just poor character development. I think they just like made him one dimensional and like wanted that to be his thing. Um, but yeah, I second that. He was definitely a twat. <laughs> <laughs> I never use that word, so it's fun. Delighted me that you did. Um, I'm just here to be a bad influence forever. Um, so then we are in math class where we get a really cool reminder about how Liberty is like math dyslexic. Um, I not because she can't answer the question, but because like Emma's like she has dyscalculia something something. Um, which lol, remember when that was a plot point? Um. And Manny's like, no, she's in love. And Emma's like, you always think people are in love, and which is, like, super true, actually. Um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, but Manny is forever snoopy and sneaky, and she, like, grabs Liberty's book out from under her, which is, like, not that cool. Um, and then it falls on the floor, and they all get in trouble, and Coach Armstrong is like, Manny, front of the room. To, like, go answer a question or something. Um... And she has stolen the notebook and, like, slides it onto Emma's desk all stealthy style. And Emma sees the, like, Liberty Hearts Chris, which is, like, so middle school. Why are you still writing stuff like that where other people can see it? Yeah, I found myself, like, really judging that. And I realized that it's entirely, like, based in, um, you know, when we judge things, it's usually because it's something about us. So it totally reminded me of when I was exactly that age. And I remember thinking, oh, I never wrote that. And of course, no, I didn't. Um, I was too aware of that being a trope. So I never wrote like Mrs. Whatever in, someone, in my notebook. But I did take Justin's yearbook photo and I made it into a paper locket and I wore it inside of my shirt for a little while. And that was really weird. So actually, Liber Liberty's like way less awkward than me. <laughs> This is my new favorite story about you. We've lived together for four and a half years, and I never knew this story about you. This is delightful. 
Um, so that's amazing. <laughs> Shouts out to Justin. Um, I'm sure I did weird stuff. I definitely like cut out. Um, oh god, what is his name? Chasen. See, yours hey. is my yeah. It's not, it's not a great name. I don't know. I didn't pick it, but like I <laughs> like like I didn't choose it, but I did cut out his uh like yearbook photo, and I like but I like glued it to the inside of my diary so like people wouldn't see um except that like i showed people my diary i don't know i was a weird kid um you guys the moral of the story is sometimes you grow up better than you were as a kid and it's fine um but yeah so manny's super sneaky and emma's pissed which is at this point valid because emma did date chris for a little while and liberty is emma's friend supposedly so that's the whole deal but if I can introduce the next plot point, yes, um, Emma did a super bitchy thing and uh, and like planned to wear a short skirt. I think that might have been after. But anyway, she goes into the gym, finds Chris and actively flirts in a very like she's she's a good flirter. I was I was impressed by your flirting skills, although found the um, the action somewhat abhorrent. And so. She flirted with him, and um, I think she asked him out, or certainly implied, and then she kind of trotted off, and um, and and that was she ended up having a conversation with Manny about it, and and Manny thought, oh, you know, you're jealous of Liberty, but it turns out that no, no, she wasn't. She actually was just embarrassed at the idea that Liberty would be the next person that Chris would date after her. That she didn't, she thought that would reflect badly on her, and. Kudos to Manny for just saying that that is like the meanest thing she's heard Emma say. And I'm I'm glad that she had the guts to stand up to her and say that because that was really like incredibly mean. That's something that I always like about Manny and Emma is that they are not afraid to stand up to each other, especially if the other one is definitely in the wrong. Um, it adds to, it makes for like a lot of drama in their friendship. But yeah, this is the worst Emma's ever been. I don't think she ever gets this bad again. Like, there are parts of her character in the future that are definitely not ideal, but they usually come from a place of like she's hurt and she's trying to like deal with stuff or whatever. Whereas this is just ego, it's just straight ego, and it's fucked up and it doesn't seem like Emma. It seems like out of character this like weird monster person that we don't know at all but is apparently emma um yeah it's it's just really sad it's just really sad to watch um and it bums me out but i'm glad that manny told her off but i like that manny starts off because manny does really think that everyone is in love with somebody because she starts off with you love chris that's why you're going out with him again and emma's like what no i don't love chris like she's like yeah you do that's why you're dating him again right and it's like, oh, Manny, for someone who's been through so much, you're so naive still. And it's very sweet, actually. It's kind of comforting that, like, despite, like, everything that Manny's been through, she's still, like, kind of this sweet girl who believes in love. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. And, you know, I actually forgot about that until now. But, like, let alone how unkind that is to Liberty, I think it's actually even in some ways way more unkind to Chris to lead him on like that. He's such a sweet guy. I remember just being absolutely dumbfounded by how sweet he was the first time I watched this. How even like even his voice is sweet. The bucket hat definitely adds to that, although I second Kelsey's assessment that it is like the worst choice in headgear. It's bad. It's real bad. Um, but he's he's just he's a love and he's sweet and he deserves better than Emma. And I don't know. Like 
I don't know why they broke up in the summer, but maybe it's because Emma started acting like a real bitch. Is that seems like is what's happening here. I don't know. Um, but it's not great. It makes me sad. Um, meanwhile, Marco goes home and he's bummed out about Dylan and his dad is showing him his posters with the that's not how photos work photo. <laughs> it's like like a hundred hundreds of sizes bigger than the little tiny thumbnail, but whatever. Um, so now it's huge and poster size. And the way that he designed the like I don't want to knock Marco's dad. It's a good design. Like, it's not bad, especially for someone who I don't think is a graphic designer. It's solid. But also, it looks like a poster for a dictator. Um, so that was a little alarming because he has this, like, very somber, like, expression. And he's in black and white. And the poster's in red and black. And the letter's really blocky. And, it like, it's very, like, darkness at noon. It's a whole thing. Yeah, that's actually a really great observation. I hadn't thought about that, but it is, you know, I think that his dad can't take credit for Marco Somber expression. I think he did that entirely <laughs> on his own. That is his MO in many ways, or his, I don't know, his aesthetic the MO. MO. Is yeah, exactly. He, he can't really help it at this point. He's going through some stuff, and also he's all angsty in that age. Um, but yeah, his dad, his dad using red and blocky lettering is is very big brother and uh, not not such a good campaign tool. But whatever, I feel like I feel like in my high school, no one campaigned for that. No one knew anybody who was running. I don't even remember voting. There were definitely never speeches. I was always envious of these events. And uh, and I wonder if other schools actually do them. I feel like they probably do. Um, but it's, I feel like it's touted as a rite of passage and it isn't actually a rite of passage, but that might just be me. My school never did anything this big. And if they did, I didn't notice, but I don't think they did in middle school. It was kind of a thing. Um, but it was mostly like, I don't know. I don't, I just, I only remember it being a thing in middle school, but I don't remember it being a thing in high school at all. But I also might have just not gone to stuff. I'm not the best. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was not going to say joiner, but that's that's <laughs> correct. I'm I was not uh, I'm not the best at like remembering like what was normal for my high school because I didn't go to a lot of stuff. So I'm not a good I'm not like a reliable memory for that. Sorry. But yeah, I feel like the kids on Degrassi are way more into like student government elections than like we were i don't know it just seems like they're doing it real big and a lot of television does it real big and real life does not care that much yeah i also like watching this even the idea of having a platform seems absolutely absurd to me the whole idea of people having a race in high school seems absurd to me and maybe maybe some of you listeners have have been in that position and actually did have power over certain things, but I can't imagine that they would give teenagers very much control over anything. And I don't understand the point of campaigning um, other than it's maybe an exercise in, uh, in finding your voice and feeling like you have power even when you have none, which sounds really poetic and sad. Uh, but hey, here we are. <laughs> And then Marco is in his room and his mother comes in and she's like, what's going on? He's like, I have to write the speech and I don't want to. And I'm, I have to read it in front of people and I'm not ready. And she's like, what's wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm just like going through a breakup. I just 
you know, it's not a big deal. People go through breakups all the time. I met someone last year and, you know, and it's just, it didn't work out. Breakups happen. And she's like, Marco, I didn't know you had a girlfriend. He's like, I don't have a girlfriend, which he could have been like, I don't anymore or whatever. But instead he just left it at that, which was like very brave. And she was like, she's like, she basically is like, I knew that you were like with Dylan, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's kind of a sweet moment because like, she doesn't even seem that afraid, like, or like upset or anything. She's just like, she's just like I knew. And she seems like, I, I don't know if that's how he interpreted it because like later on he tells Paige, like she like seemed freaked out, but like, I thought that she just seemed like happy that he was opening up to her a little, you know, and like sad that like. He has to go through this alone right now. She did seem mildly freaked out to me because, you know, she said, oh, it was Dylan. He said, no, it wasn't. And I was so sad for him. And then thankfully, he immediately redacted that and said, oh, yes, it was. And and then he said, I'm gay. And then there was a very dramatic soap opera moment where there was a pause. And then he said, I'm gay. And he looked like he was going to cry. And then he cried and she cried. And she was standing in his doorway. And I wanted her to go over and hug him. Instead, she just like leaned against the doorway and kind of cried and looked really, really distraught. But I, you know, who knows what was behind those tears? Maybe she was relieved. Maybe she was sad. Um, maybe all of those things. People can feel many feelings at once. But that was that was quite a quite a moment. And I felt really I felt like she was super sweet overall. Very sweet. And um, so then Marco is at school and he like runs into Alex and Jay and she calls him a queer. It's a whole thing. And like you can see that he's like freaked out because it's like, oh, she's going to say this in front of the whole school, which at this point is like not great, but it's worse because his parents are going to be there. So he goes home and he tries to like talk them out of going and his mom is like, I'm sorry that you have to go through this. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'm sorry that like people hate you because of this. This isn't like, it's terrible. He's like, well, I, she doesn't hate me for that. She just hates me because, and he like trails off because his dad comes in, but it's true. Like she doesn't hate him because she's gay. She hates him because he's popular and, and also because she's a little gay spoiler alert. Um, but it's mostly because he's popular and to her he has money he has everything that he wants and she's an outcast despite the fact that he is out I, I feel like a lot I think it's like a mixture of things I think it's that he's out and she's too afraid to be out and even though he's out he's still more popular and has more friends than she does and that also has to hurt because she'll probably lose like the only friend that she has, which is her boyfriend, Jay, if she comes out, because she'd be losing Jay, and she doesn't really have that many friends. And Amy, like, had alcohol poisoning, like, last season, so we don't even know where Amy is, and, like, she's kind of friendly with Ellie, but not really. Like, if she loses Jay, she loses everyone. So I think it's just a mixture of, like, I think she's just honestly jealous of his whole life that he gets to have that she can't. Yeah, I think that seems like a fair assessment. I had actually asked Kelsey during the episode because I couldn't remember Alex at all from when I had previously watched it, even though uh, it came back to me. So I've clearly gotten this far at some point. And uh, and yeah, it, it struck me that I, I didn't I didn't know why she was being so mean to him. I couldn't remember if some major drama had unfolded and Kelsey kind of very... Um, very well summarized that you know no nothing nothing pointed had actually happened um and 
alluded to what she had just unfurled is that, you know, it's just kind of a complex set of Paige being mean to her, Marco's being friends with Paige, and also the um, kind of not being out yet and him being out. There's, it, things are so complicated, and who knows how much of that she was actually conscious of. But um, but she was actually, she was pretty mean to him um, and very threatening, probably because she felt threatened by him. Exactly. Um. So... Marco, yeah, so Marco goes home and, yeah, he has that conversation with his mom. And his dad comes in and he's, like, kind of crying. And his dad's like, how are the posters? And, like, you just, you feel bad for his dad because he's so in the dark. And he's just, like, he just really wants Marco to be doing well. And it's, and you just see, I don't know, he just seems like kind of a dope. So you just kind of feel bad. Or I do. Um, And Marco's like, I'm not going to run. And his dad's like, well, no, you have to. And he's like, no, like the, my grades might drop. I talked to like last year's president and he said that it was really hard and it like affected his grades, which is a very smart lie. Like that's pretty solid. And his dad's like, no, I'm so proud of you. Please do this. So like he caves and he's like, okay, fine. Um, so they're all getting ready for the big debate, I guess. I don't know. This is is totally like confusing to me this whole like idea of these two students like having like a weird debate for like their sophomore class president yeah i don't think it was a debate so much as a presentation of hey here i am this is my platform which i don't believe that they could possibly have a platform i mean in every tv show it's like i will get you pizza on fridays and i've always doubted it it's a thing that's been up my craw or in my craw or whatever however you use craw um, but, uh, but yeah, right before the, um, speech we'll say, I guess, um, I thought that that was, I, I really liked what Marco said to Alex about, uh, he just decided to confront her and kind of acknowledge that, you know, acknowledge her being threatened without saying it that way. And he just told her like, Hey, I actually think you could win this. So, you know, you don't, you don't need to call me gay and and she of course you could see her face change but then she had to make a joke so she said oh I was going to use queer but if you want me to use gay I will um but I think he planted a seed in her mind and I'll let Kelsey take it from here yeah um well actually I want to jump back to Emma and Manny and Liberty uh Emma is walking into the school and she sees Liberty and like like a weird sociopath like right away is like hey Liberty, how are you i think i'm actually gonna vote for alex crazy right who are you voting for and it's like did yesterday not happen to you at all like this weird like feeling like you're so much better than this other person that you have to ruin her potential at a relationship just to like save your not reputation that you don't have like i don't fully un- I don't know. This is like not an Emma I recognize and it's an Emma I don't like. Um, And Liberty basically says that. She's like, you're an asshole. Fuck you. And she says some witty things and she also is like, you can, she's like, I can let you go straight to hell. And I was like, oh, Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. I think Liberty handled that really well. I mean, for being kind of not particularly well liked by people, she certainly does not pander. And I can really respect that about her. And Emma, I don't even know what that was about, but I, I think my, I, I know, I'm not sure if she's being entirely sociopathic or she like literally did not 
think that Liberty saw her talking to Chris. Um, so maybe she's just like trying to pretend like everything's normal, but it's it's definitely some some real Heather's stuff happening there. It's very Heather's, which by the way is what Holland and I are going to be for Halloween this year. So that's <laughs> that's uh, appropriate. Um, but actually, no, it wasn't just that she saw her. Manny told her that right. she so which I think is really interesting because it's like, you know, Manny is, of course, like loyal to Emma, but she also she's clearly like more loyal to what is good. Like, I don't know. It's it's kind of great. She's she's very like, I don't know. Manny's a Gryffindor. Very well put. Yeah, in this case, I suppose Emma's a Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if we're going to do that, then Liberty's definitely Ravenclaw, which is, by the way, what I am. Makes me happy. My Patronus is an Osprey, by the way. <laughs> I Actually, I think my Patronus is also an Osprey. You've cheated. I know. I thought that everyone had their own thing. It's Mine was, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'd have to double check. I just remember because I looked it up after and i was like large bird of prey with um cosmopolitan tendencies or like cosmopolitan like like tends to like live like in cities sometimes and i was like yeah no that describes me <laughs> that's fine although i'm a slytherin so i'm just and i've taken it twice oh. i've done it twice i it it tracks actually it makes a lot of sense but no Emma is being like weird and conniving. She's being like the bad end of Slytherin. Like there are ways to be a Slytherin and be like kind of out for you that like don't involve tearing other people down. And she is not doing those things. Yeah, she's she's a Slytherin. I feel like she's like a Slytherpuff because most of the time she's a Hufflepuff. And in this case, heavy Slytherin being a real dick. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine, guys. Hey. I do apologize for my um, misuse. Uh, I'm, I'm misusing the term classism, but that was, I guess, a kind of classism or um, I can't, we can't call them races. Um, but yeah, houseism? yeah. Houseism, houseism, thank you. Yes, I apologize for my houseism. I'm sure there are some lovely Slytherins and uh, not all Hufflepuffs are lost. Not all Ravenclaws are super studious. Um, or maybe they are, I don't know. But uh, yeah, there are certain commonalities and uh, and probably going much more into this would be way too far a deviation from Degrassi. So I will stop here and let Kelsey search for the thing. Yeah, I, I mean, th honestly, the number of times that Holland and I will go off on a tangent about okay. like about Harry Potter, we've and like anything else, we've we've given them Hogwarts houses before. Most of them okay. we've we've we we'll go off on tangents. We talk about John Hughes a lot because they keep trying to remake John Hughes movies as Degrassi episodes and it's always Ooh, bad. Good. Ooh, it's bad. It's real bad every time. They've done The Breakfast Club really obviously and they did Ferris Bueller's Day Off yeah. and it was rough. It was no good. I do not recommend it. Right now I'm trying to figure out what my Patronus was because I know that it's here. So I'm <laughs> going to find it. It's in here. I have it. I have it. I have it. See, Slytherin, my second time doing it. I've done it twice. Um, yeah, Osprey. That's crap. I'm so mad. I'm going to retake it. You should. We have to be different. <laughs> I mean, we're pretty different. We're I mean, we're, different. we're Ospreys of different houses. So. That's true. <laughs> so 
sorry. Um, anyway, so yeah, so Liberty gives her what for, um, and it is well deserving. And I hope Emma feels real bad about herself. Um, and then we're back at the not a debate, the like weird talk about being. I think they're sophomores, like sophomore vice president. I don't know, whatever. Um, it's like such an like inconsequential position. It's like stupid. Um, so Alex gives her speech and it does not suck. Like she's it's you know, she makes some valid points. There's like a class problem at Degrassi for the most part, where it's like, you know, people like Marco and Paige keep getting to be student president and they wanna do like trips and proms and dances. They have so many goddamn dances on this show. And they want to have like a thousand dances and that all costs money and not everyone can afford to go to these things and blah, blah, blah. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, It's maybe a little too highbrow for Degrassi because I don't think that they understand that because they're children. But Alex gets it and I'm on team Alex. Um, But she does a nice thing and she does kind of what we all expected her to do, which is at the end of her speech, instead of saying, are you going to vote for a freak or a queer? She goes, who are you going to vote for a freak or a and long, long pause, pretty boy. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, and Marco looks very appreciative. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about that and how I, I don't understand the dichotomy between the freak and the pretty boy because mm, maybe she identifies as freak because she's kind of an outsider, but goodness, she is a very, very pretty lady. <laughs> and it it does seem kind of unfair to have her be the spokesperson for the... Uh, I don't know, unattractive or otherwise others. Let's just say others um, for the non-popular folk that uh, that she still actually has some advantages that are aesthetic. I'd agree with that. But also, you know, she's kind of ostracized and she's poor and she might not realize that she's pretty. She, because it's like one, even if you are pretty, if enough people treat you like crap, you're not going to think that you have any worth, like regardless. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you know, she's able-bodied and she's conventionally attractive, even though she like dresses like a hoodlum. Um, <laughs> I'm a hundred years old. And yeah, so it's like, I understand that as well. But yeah, I, I think that like, you know, regardless of how you look, if you've been treated a certain way your whole life and it doesn't seem like she comes from the coolest home life, um, you know, you're you're not going to think of yourself as like a pretty person, even if you are. Um, but then Marco gets up and, of course, Jay calls him a queer because Jay is an asshole and also a big dork. Um, and, you know, Marco is like he like totally like turns it on its head and he like is like queer sure strange yeah odd totally blah 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 and we're like okay i see what you did there um and he makes a very nice speech yeah he did a nice job of kind of subverting that and acknowledging it at the same time not really getting hung up on it or letting it derail him and uh and then he totally owned alex's platform and acknowledged how great her thing was and in some ways stole it, but I don't think it was unethical in any way. And he basically said, like, yeah, let's let's be freaks and take down these boundaries. And uh, and I thought that was pretty lovely and very powerful of him. Yeah, he took it back. I thought it was pretty great. Um, I'm glad they stopped using the F word because he really couldn't have turned that one around. Um, yeah. Uh, so 
then we find out that Marco wins the election. And Dylan, by the way, snuck into the back of the auditorium while he was giving his speech. And it was very sweet. And also, like, this school has no security because Dylan's in college and he's just, like, strolling onto school property. Also, I think Marco's parents are the only parents who are there. Um, so, yeah, no security at the school, but whatever. Um, and, you know, Marco won. Yay. And, like, Dylan walks him out. And he's like, you know, I'm really proud of you for telling your mom. And Marco's like, I can't tell my dad yet. I'm not ready. And he's like, that's totally fine. I get it. I'll be totally patient. Which, what the fuck? Like, why couldn't you have been patient for both of his parents? Why did you need at least one parent to know? I don't understand your reasoning. He may not understand it either, but I give him credit for coming around. Yes. And then Marco's parents come out of the building and they're very proud of him and everyone's happy. And um, his mom, like, kind of gives Dylan a nod and she's like, hey, you know, like, good to see you, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they have, like, a knowing look and it's a very nice ending. Yeah, I was really touched by it. Very sweet. Marissa, how did you feel about your first episode of Degrassi in a very long time? I thought it was nice. I was actually... um. When you started doing this podcast, I tried watching the first episode ever and had to turn it off because it was just like really awkward in a way that I couldn't tolerate. And uh, and so I had to turn it off. And uh, and yeah, so I, I actually came into this episode with fairly low expectations and it surprised me. I thought it kind of jumped all over the place and didn't really have a nice story arc, even though now that we've assessed it, I feel like it kind of did. Um but anyways, surpassed my expectations. I found it um, not hard to watch at all and very charming. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So we do a few things. First, I'm going to read our favorite YouTube comment because it's very <laughs> funny. It's from uh, The Soul Porpoise, which is a really good like YouTube name um, from two months ago. And quotes, would they rather vote for the freak or the queer? By the way, I'm the freak. End quotes. Lol, bitch, you the queer too. Which like true yeah i thought that was a really great one that you picked i also if we can for a moment acknowledge that uh apparently glowing up is a thing <laughs> and everyone's saying that about emma and um and judging by how pervasive it is in the comments it must be an internet meme that everyone knows about and maybe you will all tweet kelsey that uh that she and i should have known what glowing up is but kelsey knows the internet way better than i do i don't know the internet and uh and neither of us have heard of glowing up but I do think that that is a pretty good description of what happened with Emma um, in kind of surpassing her awkwardness and entering this new phase of pretty, which uh, is unfortunately right now correlative to her being very bitchy. But um, but hopefully she will, um, whatever witty term is for like nicing up, hopefully that will happen soon. So we do a few things. Um, first, we like to pick our spirit squad captain. So that's who you think was like the best person of the episode. So for example, I'm going to go with um I'm going to go with Marco because he came out to his mom and he, you know, he at the end made Alex his vice president and like he was like, "No, I really like that you had all these ideas." And He's like he's trying to grow as a person and not just like to please Dylan because if he had just come out to like please Dylan I'd have been like 
you know, I'm still proud of you, but I'm like kind of disappointed. But it's like he's trying to like make all these positive changes. And he's including Alex, who he doesn't have a good history with because he recognized that she did a nice thing for him. And he's like, you have good ideas. Like, don't like hide yourself away by being like weird antisocial girl. So I'm going to go with Marco. I would actually, I will second that officially um, because you can't not give him all of the credit for for doing a really brave thing and uh, and I think he was pretty tremendous about that but um but a runner up I think is Manny I think she was she was pretty great about just kind of cutting through all of the bullshit and and standing up to Emma for being a jerk and being honest with Liberty I respect her immensely and uh, and I think she's just a, a sweet delightful person so uh, Manny second, but Marco definitely like head and shoulders um, above her. Uh, no pun intended, because I know that there's a bunch of like people standing on people's shoulders and cheerleading. <laughs> nice. That is a good one. Um, and then we also do ship of the episode. So if so, you like pick two people out of the episode that you like want to date. Um, I'm mad at Dylan, so for once I'm not going to go with Marco and Dylan, but I am going to go with Paige and Alex because I'm ready for that to happen. Yeah, I, I'm just going to I'm gonna second that one, and, uh, and I wish I could contribute more to say, but they're just, they're pretty great, and, uh, and I totally forgot that they got together at some point in the maybe future. Did I allude to something I shouldn't have alluded no, to? Sorry. Okay, anyways, um, now I kind of want to watch an episode where they're together because that could be really cool. Yeah, this show is like 15 years old. We we don't really believe in spoilers. Okay. We say spoiler alert, but we're like mostly joking um, because that's like, that's eh, fine. Um, yeah, I will bring you on for an episode where they get together because we're getting more mics so we can start having three people. <laughs> Yay. So we're going to have Marissa back. Um, and then we do moral of the episode. So like your, your like Aesop's fable type of situation. Like what do you think? If you could summate the episode and be like, this is like the moral, what would you say it is? Ah, well, I'm going to go full cheese and say just like be be accepting of yourself and, and who you are and then be truthful about that with the world as much as you possibly can. And that will generally lead to a much happier, um, more straightforward life. I love it. And I'm going to just tack on... Be considerate of others, um, mostly based on the B story. Be considerate of other people and their feelings. Um, don't be selfish. Um, and then let's see. That's kind of it. Um, we have a few grape finds. We also have a review, but I'm going to wait for Holland because I think it's her turn to um, do a uh, a fan fiction. Um, so we have two tweets from Allegra at Allegra Baker. Uh, Jay is a huge dork and it's why he was my secret Degrassi crush growing up. Jay without his hat was like seeing a unicorn, which agreed. Also, I'm really excited because Allegra is going to be here in a few weeks and she's going to be a guest on our show. Um, and then we have tweets from Trisha uh, at TB Trisha T-E-E. And she says, just going to point out that Jimmy, Hazel, and Paige weren't wearing saris. Saris are long as strip of fabric draped on to look nice. Hazel and Paige were wearing salwar kamezes and Jimmy a lahenga. I'm sorry if I butchered all of that because I did because I'm sorry. Um, Trisha is one of our like 
most like loyal listeners and she's also like kind of our like in-house Bollywood like aficionado like she knows all the things and she's recommended movies for us to watch which by the way we're gonna have to do so that we can like casually mention them for her because I think it would make her happy um she's also in Australia which reminds me you guys if you are looking to write us review because you want us to like write an impromptu fanfic about you and a character from Degrassi because that's what we do when you write us a review on iTunes um please do that and like if you want to like at the end be like can you ship me with this person we take requests um but if you are not in the u.s send us a screenshot of the review that you wrote because we can't see any reviews on itunes that weren't done in the united states of america um so just fyi um and then you can follow us on twitter at degrassi pod um you can email us we like emails whatever it takes podcast at gmail.com um and we have a tumblr whatever it takes podcast.tumblr.com and we're on soundcloud and itunes rate and review on itunes um and you can find me on instagram and twitter at kel sucks with a z at the end and marissa where can they like gently stalk you Unfortunately, I don't allow gently stalking because I'm a therapist and I keep things real private. But thanks for having me on the podcast. And you can find me in uh, in Kelsey's home and sometimes on this podcast. Please don't find her in my home unless I invite you. Um, oh, and also another thing we like to do is we like to um, recommend something in pop culture or not even just anywhere that we've been enjoying. So like... Because it's like we've kind of, we don't watch Degrassi anymore, but we like we like to have a thing that we can obsess over just as much. So it's sort of like our Degrassi like replacement. Mm. Um, so do you have anything that you've been really enjoying? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know how exciting you guys will find this. I like literary feats, and uh, and I like so I like reading really big books, often really big books that are respected that people don't always enjoy. Um, this one's particularly enjoyable. Uh, Carl of Knausgaard wrote a six-volume series about his life based on Marcel Proust. So anyways, I'm on volume two. It takes a really long time to get through them, but uh, but the series is called My Struggle by Norwegian contemporary author Carl of Knausgaard. And uh, and it's a delightful struggle um, through through his life and his pain and um, and his, his daily meanderings as a writer. It's really good. Wonderful. I think think that maybe I will not take you up on that suggestion, but I like it all the same. <laughs> um, I'm going to recommend also a book, very different book. Um, I think Holland has already recommended this, but I just read it. So, and I can't remember if she said it or not. And I borrowed it from her anyway. So whatever. You should also read it. It's called The Girls. It's by Emma Klein. Um, it is fiction based heavily on um, the Manson girls. Um, it's great. 10 out of 10 would recommend it will fuck your life up a little bit, like in a really delightful way. Um, I have had some trouble sleeping. It's great. Highly recommend. Um, I've yeah, I I've been like watching a lot of things, but everything that I can recommend is like season two of things and like things that Holland has already recommended. Just because I'm like a step behind her on a few shows right now, like Stranger Things. Everyone go watch Stranger Things. It's awesome. Um, but Marissa, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Holland is 
hanging out with her mom because she's visiting and in town and it's nice. So Marissa was a trooper and like stepped up and we really appreciate her coming on the show and we hope you'll come back when Alex and Paige start making out. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. It's nice to not kind of meet you. I, sadly, it's one-sided, but but the sentiment is there. I'm sure you're all quite lovely, and uh, especially if you listen to this podcast, you're very cool people. So cheers, and uh, and I look forward to coming back. Thanks. Bye, Panthers. Mm-hmm.